And welcome to the Nielsen Show. It is Sunday, 129-2023. That's January for all you people that went to public school. <laughs> hey, uh, got a good episode today. Hopefully it's informative. Like always, that's what I'm trying to do. Just get the information out there. You make your own decisions. That's what we are designed to do. Use our brains, right? I mean, that's kind of what the whole purpose of that thing in your cranium up there is supposed to do. So, with that, I would just like to say thank you once again for coming back and listening. Because <laughs> uh, you never know what you're going to get here. It's a little bit hectic sometimes, and other times it's just, you know, it is what it is. It's it's the Nielsen Show. That's how I roll. Raw, uncut, and just here. You know what I'm saying? So, does everybody enjoy their winter? I mean, in some places, it's perhaps, I don't know, seems unusual. Uh, here here in Utah, we've actually been getting some snow, and it's been it's been great. The mountains are, like, way packed up there. I mean, you can barely see a lot of the trees in the higher elevations because there's so much snow. Now, in some aspects of the world, that's called climate change, in a weird definition of the word. Uh, here, it's just called climate because the things that they're trying to claim that we got to do to change what we do effectively, which is we adapt, at least the people that use their brains and their heads, we adapt. Now, the problem is you've got a lot of outside sources that give a lot of money to so-called scientists and doctors, and all that stuff. So, if your boss wants you to do something, essentially that's your boss, the person that pays your paychecks, it's it's our science community has turned into more or less a, a battleground for funding. Now, in some ways, we, we do need to fund some of these things, but in other ways, it's turned into a political funding game. Hey, if you give us the answers we want and the narrative we want, we'll fund you again a couple million dollars next year. If you actually want to follow the real science and go off on this uh, weird tangent that, hey, you know, this stuff's not really happening. We don't need to cover the planet in solar panels and windmills to get off of fossil fuels. But you're going to be the first one that nobody calls again, and all of a sudden that, that money dries up. That's, that's what our science has turned into. Now, the latest thing is in science, uh, Project Veritas got an undercover video of one of the head guys of research for Pfizer, or Moderna, one of the two, might be Moderna, talking about they're thinking to basically do the same thing Wuhan, the Wuhan lab was doing with gain of function so they can create vaccines before these things mutate. Now, my problem with that is, is why are we messing with that stuff? If it doesn't naturally mutate into what you guys are making it into, that seems to be a problem. And all it is is money driven. 
just like everything else in our government, our way overbloated military budget, that who knows where half of that money even goes to. I mean, $840 billion. I mean, think about that. We outspend like the next 20-some-odd countries combined in one year of our national budget. Now, on the other side of that, I do believe we need to have a strong military, but all of that money, I mean, and I've, I've seen the waste that goes on, because I've been on government program, or projects, and you start to see where the waste is. And everybody that bids a government project that's on that list to be able to bid government projects knows there's a big check there to whoever can can get that bid. Contractors, whoever, military industrial complex, they they love this budget going up because that means more money coming into them to develop, you know, weapons. So here's I got a I got a question here. And you probably already know the answer because I think people listen to this show are fairly smart. At least probably smarter than I am. <laughs> Which ain't saying much, so maybe maybe I should take that back. <laughs> but we have people that want to disarm American citizens because we have a constitution guarantees us a right to self-defense and to fight against the government have has if it goes into overreach mode, which it has time and time again, um, I, I think they're just at the mentality that, no, we know it's best for you. You have to do this because you are the ones putting everybody else in danger by having your guns. Well, you've seen, especially through this last couple of years with the pandemic, what governments have done to their citizens that pretty much don't have guns or even want to peaceful protest, peacefully protest their governments. Now, the easiest stuff to see is right to the north of us in Canada. Mr. Justin Trudeau, the tyrant he is, and I mean, he's all in with the, the World Economic Forum. He's invited over to Davos every year. Uh, the thing is, is their push for a lot of this stuff which I almost think is a good thing because now it's getting more out in the open. But the the heart of the push was like all the stuff they did to the truckers. Instead of wanting to, you know, do a diplomatic thing, and this is what I have sort of have a hard time with the people that are the the Democrats that are Biden, oh, he's the best president we've ever had, and all the bull crap that they're spewing now, trying to make him look good because in normal peopleville the working class down here that's getting crushed by all his crappy policies are starting to see through the window. They're starting to wipe the fog off and be able to see what's going on behind them closed doors with these people. Biden, over and over again, I don't know if somebody's pushing him or if this is really his mentality, he says one thing, oh, I, I really believe in the second man. Everybody should have a double-barrel shotgun. Or if you gun nuts want to fight against the government, you're going to need F-15s and nuclear weapons like I think Eric Swalwell, whoever the other knucklehead there in the, somewhere in the government was saying. So to me, 
that says, hey, us, the kings, the the elite up here, you know, that have armed guards around us all the time. We know what's best for you people. It'll it'll get the guns off the street, and keep the criminals from creating crime or uh, I don't know what their mentality is there. It's zero, zero sense. Makes zero sense. But back to the, the truckers, you know, they wanted to have a peaceful protest against all the vaccine mandates that should have never happened. And I think the evidence is plenty clear now that they shouldn't have happened. But it gave these people in government control and power and things they've never had before. Under getting people scared. Push this narrative that if you don't get vaccinated, if we don't shut down the shut down everybody's businesses, you know, for two weeks, then it turns into two months. And then, you know, you know the deal. It went, it went to, it's still going on in places. Like China is still having outbreaks. I know the news don't report on it because, well, they're not the news. They're propaganda. But in China, they are still doing lockdowns there and they're having new waves of this COVID that's hitting whether or not it's some more biological weapon testing, I don't know. I mean, they had been locking people in certain cities, welding the doors shut, and keeping them in their, they're like, I don't know, if, in the bigger cities, everybody lives in like high-rise housing, I guess. I don't know what it really is. But they were literally forcing these people in there, and if you did not comply... The police were beating you down, and they'll drag you to your place, throw you inside, and board up your door. People were so getting burned out of it that there's videos of these people opening their windows and just, I mean, like the city just lighting up of screams out the windows of just probably sheer frustration, more than likely. But that's a communist government. And, you know, our freedoms give rights to people that actually have those same beliefs. Well, maybe we just need democratic communism or democratic socialism. <laughs> That'll fix our problems because then we'll just vote for our own slavery. <laughs> that's that's essentially what it is. And it, it, it kind of just blows me away that so many people don't use their brains. Now, I've, I think I've said this before. Like I say, some of this stuff I just repeat because I, I just don't understand it, how the mentality can't see what's right in front of people. But, you know, we get in, we get in bubbles. It happens right, left, center. We can get into bubbles. And you got, start getting around people that are all saying the same thing. But you, you have to look outside your bubble and see what the other people are saying. Compare it to what people on the other side are saying. And then realistically come to find some common ground in the middle of them. Or, you know, some things you just can't. Because we've gone so tribalism both ways. Um, like I said, back when uh, all the censorship, you know, it's still kind of going on. But like between Twitter and uh Facebook and Google and all all the big tech companies. Well, what happened? What came out of that? Well, you got like True Social, you got uh, Getter, all these other kind of 
more or less, I guess I can call it right-wing factions of Facebook and Google and all those things and Rumble. They all kind of are right-wing now. And that's what came out of the censorship of these other ones. So now we have a right and a left side. Twitter seems to be kind of pulling out of that. I mean, it really surprised me. I mean, Elon Musk seemed more or less a lefty for the most part, but he seems kind of down to earth at the same time saying, hey, look, you know, that I want free speech. That's how we get discourse and get through problems is talking about it. And, you know, if somebody's got an argument, come up with a better argument of why you're right over theirs. But we instead put ourselves in these bubbles and everybody's confirming our biases. And that's where we're most comfortable. But we need to get out of our comfort zones because these people that call themselves elites are the ones that are up there trying to tell the world we need to get off meat. They openly promote companies that print meat. Now tell me that makes any sense. And to call it meat in the first place... That's even more baffling. It's it's all plant-based. Plant-based meat. Now, just think about that for a second. <laughs> uh, these are the people. Now, now, this are, you know, the Davos thing. That's the whole World Economic Forum thing. Where all these world leaders... Now, I am i don't know, I had the list at one time, but there is a lot of politicians, people from the FBI, CIA, different things from the U.S., U, the good old U.S. of A., that go over to this to listen to these people, and some of them speak, and they openly speak what they, I think they ultimately think. Now, whether or not it's just a power play on, hey, this is a way that we can gain more power and more control and scare more people. I mean, I think the last episode you heard the ones of, no, uh, oh, what the heck's his name? I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> it's been a long week. Um, Al Gore. There it is. Al Gore ranting and raving. The oceans are boiling. We got to hurry up and we got to push all these policies through or we're going to, you know, he's been saying this for how long now? Oh, you know, by 2000 or something, uh, whatever the last one was, that the ice is all going to be gone and we're all going to be underwater and whatever the other fear mongering is. But you can't call him, a, don't call him a fear monger because what he's saying is reality. In a lot of people's minds, it is. Now, uh, Matt Walsh has had a good point that I've heard recently. And people can be easily manipulated. Especially with the ones that don't want to think for themselves. And it's, he, he made a reference to, like, children. If you're going to push stuff on children, an agenda, how easy is it to get them to believe that we're, you know, we're all going to die because of climate change? 
Now, he made the analogy. It's like we tell our kids about this fat man in a red suit that flies around with reindeer and, you know, drops presents down people's children, you know, for the children, the presents or whatever. And he's like, you know, eventually, though, we, we tell them, hey, you know, it's us. Or they mature enough to where they start asking questions. It's like, well, I told you and mom, you know, that I wanted this and that's what I got, but I never wrote a letter to Santa or, you know, whatever the case is. They, they eventually mature enough and get a little bit of life experience under their belt that they start figuring it out. And then, you know, people wonder why parents especially that get upset that teachers think they need to push their agenda on these children when it's not even happening the way they try and claim it. It's a fear-mongering. But then they try and call the FBI to investigate parents that are questioning why they're trying to teach stuff to their kids that they don't want them teaching. I, you know, like I say, it's, it's a... It's a big power struggle, but people are starting to wake up slowly but surely. Small fractions of people are deciding, "No, we're done with the tyranny," and especially in Canada. Now, I don't know if this is beeped out or not, but this is Canadians. Uh, Just, Justin Trudeau is trying to walk, I guess, into a government building or someplace. He's got his armed security around him. Keeping everybody at bay, but the protesters are giving them a piece of their mind. We don't want you, we don't want you, a bunch of other stuff. You effing tyrant. You're a liar. We don't want him. He's an effing liar. <laughs> I guess I should give you a warning there if uh <laughs> got any kids in the background or any of them listening to this. Um, But that's Justin Trudeau in Canada. And the people are tired of his tyranny. I mean, he's essentially gone in with his uh, group in power. You know, they've got a different kind of political system up there. It's really bizarre, but I mean, I'm just used to ours, I guess. But he has essentially, like a king, dictated that uh, there will be no more manufacturing of handguns in Canada. And eventually, that type of stuff leads to ultimate government power over the citizenry. Always has, always will. And it's probably just a human condition. We we feel like we need to rule other people because they're not doing what we want them to. So we'll force the hand and we'll get what we want. And this is the only way to save humanity. And then all the while, their other buddies are like, well, we need to depopulate the earth or we can't, the earth cannot sustain this many people. Um, yeah, we're, we'll, I think eventually that'll just naturally happen anyways. I mean, for every person that's being born every second, there's still a lot of people dying every second around the world as well. <laughs> 
and I don't think our population has really exploded a whole lot around the world. I mean, I, I could, should probably look that up, but in my opinion, it just seems like everybody's just kind of spreading out rather than just more and more people flocking to these cities and making just one blob of a city bigger and bigger. I mean, it still is happening, but more people are spreading out. Let's see here. Um, got some stuff here from Instagram now. I'm trying to... Okay, here's the here's one of the guys from the World Economic Forum. I'm not sure who he is, but here's what he has to say. You need to know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been. Some of the vaccines that will come on down the line will be multiple. There'll be multiple shots. So you've got to have, for, for reasons to do with the healthcare more generally, but certainly for a, a pandemic or for, um, for, for vaccines, you've got to have a proper digital infrastructure. That was some other stuff with uh, Klaus Schwab talking about it. Um, I wish I could find. Uh, here's, I think this is Director Ray of the FBI. Now, remember, this guy was appointed by <sighs> Donald Trump. And he's kind of been a nightmare. I think what, what happens is there's like a rank and file so, hey, it's this guy's turn to come up. You know, he's the least Democrat or least Republican. But they're all pretty much the same once they've got up above a certain power structure, I think, in government. And this is what he was saying at the World Economic Forum. And I think the, uh, the sophistication of the private sector is, is improving and, and particularly important, the level of collaboration between the private sector and the government especially the FBI, has, I think, uh, made significant strides. Pretty much every technology we could talk about today, uh, we see both great opportunity but great great dangers uh, in the wrong hand. Conservatives are going to have to get a lot tougher, and they're going to have to really start strip mining the FBI of this type of corrupt leadership. This was a disgrace yesterday, my FBI director, Ray. So basically what's been coming out of the Twitter files as well is that they have been essentially hiring a bunch of people from the FBI that, you know, just retired from there, you know, whatever. There's a big revolving door, it seems like, that's coming out of the FBI into the big tech areas. Now we started finding out as well from the uh, Twitter files that... There have been strategic people placed in certain places from the FBI that would call for censorship of certain tweets and uh, videos and whatever else goes on Instagram, or not Instagram, but Twitter, that they would basically change how the narrative came out the other end. Either they would suppress it 
blackball people. I mean, you started seeing where they were really just outright banning people from Twitter. And that so, so far seems like Elon Musk has been wanting to get rid of that and make it a free speech platform again. Now, I mean, it makes it hard because you're going to get people that just say stuff that it's stupid. And I, I mean, I don't know how you really regulate it, but also allow it <laughs> effectively anyways, especially on an open platform. But it also, you know, he's gone through and fired a lot of people in Twitter, especially the ones that had internal communications between each other and some of the higher bosses and stuff of basically, hey, we should, you know, this is a this is problem speech here in our opinion. You know, we should, you know, blacklist these people or this person or whoever because we don't like what they're saying. And unfortunately, that's what part of the problem is which has caused the whole divide in social media, especially of now you've got right factions of social media and you've got left factions. And then you've got some people that are mixed in between both, which is kind of what I've done. <laughs> I don't even really get on much of it anymore just because, I don't know, it just takes too much of my time. And it's really not anything I need to know anyways, for the most part. Um, but it looks like we're coming up on a, a break here. So with that, we will come right back. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the superstates that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Oh, so it was the end of this one here that showed a list of all these people from the U.S. of A. on the World Economic Forum list of people to attend. Just a few, John F. Kerry, special presidential envoy for climate of the United States of America. Catherine Tai, United States something. Uh, Martin J. Walsh, Secretary of Labor of the United States. Samantha Powers, Avril Haines, Christopher Ray, Brian Kemp, Christopher Coons, Daryl Isa, Gregory Meeks, Gretchen Whitmer, J.B. Pritzker. Pritzker, James Risch, Joe Manchin, Kristen Cinema, Maria Cantwell, Maria Elvira, Elvira Salazar. I think she's from, uh, yeah, Florida. Mike Gallagher, Mickey Sherrill, and Seth Moulton are just a few. Most of those are politicians. Not only Democrats, but Republicans and Independents. 
And that's the problem I see with government these days. Republican side as well, because they all say something to get you to elect them. But then once they get into power, they do a totally different thing. And they wonder why the people are so upset with them. Why Why are everybody? Why is everybody so upset with me? I'm just doing what they elected me to do. Uh, no, because with technology, look, we have you saying blah, 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 blah. And what you're doing is blah, 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 blah. And I just don't know if they... I think pathological liars don't understand that they're even lying anymore. I mean, Joe Biden's a prime example. He's been lying since he started getting into politics to make himself look good. Some kind of egotistical thing, I guess. But, I mean, you can dig back through the old archives of him saying stuff and then finally getting uh, somebody actually fact-checking him back in the days, you know, for plagiarism. Oh, I I was the top of my class and, you know, blah, 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 all kinds of crazy. Well, it didn't sound crazy. It was that in the context he was trying to, you know, make himself look like something he really actually wasn't. And he uh, gets called out on it. Well, you know, uh, you know, then they make excuses. But I think pathological liars don't even understand after a while that they're even lying. But with technology and, you know, and social media and different things like that, it's uh, it's out there. It's on the Internet. For the most part, if you've said it in front of a camera or on an audio thing, it's probably been uploaded somewhere. And uh, that part of technology has actually been a good thing, I think, to at least open up the curtain a little bit to see what's really going on in our government. But I almost kind of feel, in a way... That they've caused so many problems now that it makes it hard for people to want to pay attention to their freedoms being eroded by the people they have elected to represent them. It's more of a collective party uh, government club and then the rest of us. And if you have billions of dollars, you're kind of you're kind of in the club, but you're not like, elected into the club. You're just like a a pass-through. But you get to go hang out with these politicians. They want you to hang out with them because you're funding their their re-elections. And part of the problem is that's what's caused us to get where we are. I mean, right now, the ATF could essentially, I think, be abolished. The FBI needs to be basically stripped and either redone. or I mean, we survived without the FBI before. And there are good officers there that want to do the right thing. But it's hard to do the right thing if you're not willing to lose your job over what you believe, your values. And I think that's what goes... You know, there have been people that have come out and blown the whistle on certain things and basically risked everything. But they don't get any support once they do that. 
they get fired or they have to resign or whatever else. And then, then where do they go from there? And I think that's a lot of the fear that people have because, you know, economically, if you're, you know, hurting, you need money to support your family, hopefully keep a roof over their head, be able to afford gas to get to and from work, and still barely making it by. I mean, right now, I, I don't know what the national average is, but fuel is still over, gas is still over $3 a gallon, diesel's still over $4 a gallon. Here in Utah, it averages probably about four fifty a gallon for diesel. Do you tell me? Do you tell me what the cost is on goods coming through this state? You know, if you're in California, it's probably even way higher than that. You're probably still over six dollars a gallon there. An outright ban on basically all fossil fuel engines, small engines, no more gasoline combusted engines of cars. To be even sold in the state after what twenty twenty eight, some weird number like that. It's coming up soon. Now coming up soon is also the twenty twenty four election. I mean, Donald Trump's out there campaigning right now. I don't know who they're going to try and run on the other side. A lot of people will have the speculation that they're looking at Gavin Newsom. You know, that uh, the master tyrant from the, the left who basically destroyed the small businesses world in California under his ridiculous COVID restrictions, even for the small business restaurant owners that were trying to comply, still essentially got told, no, you can't operate by people that just got some authority got this authority from the government to basically destroy everybody else's lives they wanted to, shutting down gyms, you know, people trying to stay healthy, taking precautions, you know, don't don't take your own health into your own hands unless it's something that we don't agree with. Or if we agree with it, then you can, you know, your body, your choice. But if it's something that we mandate, then by hell, you better do it. Now, I'm just trying to to help people understand the freedoms that we are losing slowly but surely by not voicing our opinions. Because I I understand, I get it, we've got other things going on and a lot of other things to worry about. But in the end, that's not going to matter if we're all slaves. That's why I go back to the, I think, I don't know who said the phrase, but I would rather die on my knees to in front of God than in front of a whatever something master. I don't remember what it's called. Probably butchered that one pretty bad. Well, I know I butchered that one pretty bad. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm hoping everybody's going to start. Hopefully it's going to get bad enough. That people will start waking up and pushing back. Because these small little groups of people, like the ones that were there protesting Justin Trudeau. Yeah, they got on they got on camera or whatever in few a few places that the media is not just not reporting it. 
But what what have you seen here as far as our media or protests or anything like that? No, we we don't protest. We do on our social media accounts and stuff like that, but we don't go out in mass and physically go and protest our government. And I think part of the problem of us not doing that is they just think, oh, well, everybody thinks this way, thinks the way we do. You know, everybody everybody wants guns off the streets. Everybody wants to be feel safe. I mean, here here is the vice president of the United States here. We collectively believe and know America is a promise. America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty. Not for some, but for all. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence. That we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Be clear. These rights were not bestowed upon us. They belong to us as Americans. I'm actually a huge fan of this current abortion conversation happening in America because it is so valuable to see the people that you're fighting against and to see the wretched and inhumane and disgusting worldview of these people. That's Benny Johnson uh, off of my Instagram here. Now, the part she left out is, I don't know, maybe an important part of that whole sentence. Life. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Because I love how the Democrats take the Constitution, like they just grip it tight and pull it to their chest and put it over their heart when they're trying to use it as a tool to make them look like they really love the Constitution. But if she puts life in there, kind of defeats the narrative of my body, my choice on the abortion debate. Or life in general. Maybe just that might you know, have a little something to do with uh, our whole existence here on this planet. Life. <laughs> life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, uh, here I am. Going to have to go to the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. But I love this little copy here. Hillsdale College. Uh, sent this to me, so gracious of them. The framers, this is the forward, the framers of the American Constitution combined the best political ideas of the past with innovations in what the Federalist called an improved science of politics, federalism, separation of powers, and checks and balances. Doing so, they created a form of government which had, in the words of James Madison, no model on the face of the earth. Because men are not angels, government is necessary. Because no man stands to another as God to man, or as man to beast, government must be based on consent. The moral foundation of the Constitution is in the Declaration of Independence and its principle of equal rights. Under the Constitution, government was to be limited to protecting 
those rights. In recent decades, the way our government operates has departed from the Constitution. It has become less limited and our liberties less secure. At the same time, true civic education in America, education in the Constitution has largely died out. We at Hillsdale College see it as one of our highest duties to reverse this. And uh, so there you go. If you got kids wanting to go to college, maybe maybe give Hillsdale College. If you want to give them kind of a, a constitutionally based, I don't know, conservative, maybe looking where you don't feel like you're just giving your money to a bunch of political activist professors. I mean, this is the part I'm trying to make a lot of people understand is the Constitution gives us, we the people, the rights, not our government to say, you don't have a right to do this because we passed a law. And I've talked about this before. There are so many laws on the books right now that you are a felon every day. You just don't know. And probably a lot of the police officers that would use this to their power advantage don't know either. Like the ATFs, you know, trying to pass some stupid, uh, it's not a law, it's their um, guidelines or, I don't know, what I can't remember the proper word for it, but trying to say basically anything with a foldable stock is under a definition, oh, that's what it is, something in their definitions, that it makes it a short-barreled rifle. Now, it makes zero sense because, you know, they have these, uh, uh, what are they? So if you have a pistol, there's a brace thing that goes, attaches to it, and then it has a stock that you can attach to it to use it kind of almost like a rifle. But then it can also fold up along the side of it and make it compact. That's kind of what their definition is of a short-barreled rifle. If you attach that to your pistol, it is now a short-barreled rifle because it has a foldable stock. Now, first of all, it's still a pistol. Oh, right. So if I have a rifle that has a foldable stock, is that still considered a short-barreled rifle under their new definitions? Now, I can't remember who the guy's name was, but he was on the Glenn Beck podcast the other day talking about this. Uh, He's from the Gun Owners of America. I think he's like one of their lead lawyers or whatever. And he was talking about it because they were supposed to publish um, the the new definitions, and then that's when it becomes uh, available to open lawsuit and stuff like that. I don't know, all kinds of lawyer jargon stuff that I'm definitely not qualified to talk about other than... It's unconstitutional. But we have people at the head of the ATF that are under instructions and appointed by President Biden at the moment that come up with the, the, you know, it's not like President Biden has to call them up and say, hey, you know what? I want you to figure out how to ban all guns and get all the citizens to have to give them up or become a felon. So what happens if you become a felon? Which under the new guidelines would be pretty much everybody that owns a gun. I have a collapsible stock 
does that make me an owner of a short-barreled rifle that's now supposedly illegal to own under the new ATF guidelines? Even though I ha- if I have a rifle that has a 20-inch barrel on it, actual barrel, the barrel, barrel part of it, but because my stock collapses that it's now a short-barreled rifle, that makes zero sense. It's not it's a cosmetic of the of the rifle. No, it makes zero sense. I know. I know. You're like shaking your head right now. I was like, no, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that if I attach one of these accessories to a pistol and it's able to fold up, that it's now a short barreled rifle. It's still not a rifle. Definitions just changing the definitions willy-nilly. I mean, you've seen it like with the all kinds of other things going on politically. Wikipedia, uh, Webster's Dictionary, you know, all of a sudden deciding to just change definitions of words to fit the left's narrative. Doesn't change the fact of what it really is. But they're trying to control the speech. If you can't control all the platforms to censor people, then you just change the definition. <laughs> uh, well, I think I'm going to take a quick break here. And this has been a lot slower for me trying to process all this coming through. That it just blows my mind that I don't know if these people. Uh, really believe the stuff that they're saying. I mean, I I know there is a good number of them that actually do believe that. Because it's just like the little kid believing that Santa Claus is real because you've told him that, you know, to make it kind of a magical moment, like believing that this guy is bringing you presents on Christmas. But, you know, eventually most kids will grow out of that. But, How many of these kids are going to grow up to be adults that haven't grown out of a climate change thing, that they've been taught that this is what's really going on, even though it's not because it's being manipulated. All the ice is not melted. Polar bears aren't dying in mass because the ice is not there. I don't think we evolved from apes. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people are trying to tell us that just aren't factually true. There's nothing to back it up. Are CO2 levels going up? Yes. Is it a problem? I don't think so. Because of the countering effects that happen with plant life. Now, perhaps cutting down a lot of our national forests in around the, or not national forests, but forests around the world the plant life that actually absorbs the CO2 and turns it back into oxygen, then, yeah, maybe that's a problem. You know, there's logical things that we could do to not cause our lifestyles to be a lot worse than they need to be. We can also innovate. Not saying, hey, we got to strip mine the earth of all these resources so we can create batteries that aren't necessarily greatly recyclable or solar panels that aren't mostly recyclable 
or windmills that we just bury in mass because we don't know how there's no way to recycle the the uh, the blades when they've started to deteriorate but back to an older episode of uh what I learned from Jesse Kelly the sky is green they tell enough of the young kids that that it's not blue the sky is actually green what are those younger kids going to believe? They're going to believe the sky is green. And everybody that's saying, no, it's blue. They're like, no, it's green. We've been told that we've been taught the sky is green. And that communism is good. And it'll liberate us. It'll be equal for everybody. Equal outcomes for everybody. Regardless of how hard you work, it'll always be the same. I, I don't have to work, and I get the same benefits that you do by working your guts out. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, we'll be right back. Um, We'll do some more uh, stuff for my Instagram. How about that? Coming up. Okay, so I'm going to try and lump these all together that all kind of go together instead of like my usual of just going along from top to bottom or bottom to top or wherever, and it just, they're all over the place. So this is... A breaking new uh, list probably not breaking it's I've probably been in here since first of the month um it says new bombshell australian public health data finds all covid related hospitalizations and icu admissions were vaccinated none unvaccinated and only 6.3 percent of covid deaths were unvaccinated now there's a lot of stuff going around that Everybody's trying to push back on, oh, it's the anti-vaxxers saying these people dying that because, you know, making it a political thing because these people that are mysteriously dying at young ages of heart complications or heart attacks. You're a conspiracy theorist. So just a few of those. So that's the American Idol star C.J. Harris, 31, dies suddenly after suffering an apparent heart attack. I mean, uh, we've heard that, you know, these are just coincidences. <laughs> Weird that there's a lot of these coincidences. Um, that was from The Sun. Other people have uh, reported on as well. Breitbart. It says an apparent heart attack of American Idol contestant C.J. Harris dies at 31. Typically, you know, 31-year-olds don't die of heart attacks. So, I know, you know, coincidence, though. Um, Let's see, who is this other guy? Pro wrestling star Jay Briscoe, dead at 38. It doesn't say what from, but. Possibly just a coincidence. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not even funny. I mean, because all these people were duped into taking experimental therapeutic. Simon Dunn, famed Australian Olympian and rugby player, dies suddenly at 35. I mean, the list goes on and on of people that have tipped over. And most of them recently after taking the vaccine who otherwise were pretty much 
healthy, I would say. <sighs> Let's see what this one here says. Um, what kind of research is Pfizer conducting? Oh, this is the, the bombshell project Veritas video raises serious questions. This is mutating COVID. Well, that is not what we say to the public. No, don't tell anyone those pills. You gotta publish your stories. You gotta publish your stories. We're exploring, like, no, you know, the virus keeps mutating. Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can focus on? We can create, I'm definitely develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're gonna do that, though, that's a risk. Like, as you can imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating viruses. It's gonna be like very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate. It doesn't create something like, you know, it's almost everywhere. It's something crazy. It's the way that the virus started and moved it. To be honest, like, it's, it makes no sense if this virus is popped out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I know. Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID. So that is, uh, what's his name? Josh something or the other. So he's the director of the pharma company, Pfizer. Basically saying that that's what they're looking into do with COVID, gain a function. I mean, that's the only other explanation that if you're mutating and messing with it so you think you can get ahead of these mutations, essentially creating the next mutation synthetically, I think is a, a dangerous game to be playing. I don't think of that last COVID would have even happened had it not been for the gain-of-function research that we've seen the documents that have come out of Wuhan and uh, pretty much the, the U.S. government paying for it through third party, us giving it to EcoHealth Alliance, EcoHealth Alliance funding the lab, and then somebody accidentally gets sick, goes about their daily business, Spreads it to everybody else, and then the rest is history. Is that really what we... Is that progress? I mean, I, I don't... It makes no sense to mess with stuff that naturally wouldn't have jumped to humans had it not been messed with. That's just my opinion. Maybe there's some things we just shouldn't be screwing around with. Um, let's see here. So, yeah, this is a guy by the name of Yuval Noah Harari, who is a contributor to the World Economic Forum, also a historian, philosopher, and an author. Total biometric surveillance. We want to stop this epidemic. We need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. We now see mass surveillance systems established even in democratic countries, which previously rejected them. And we also see a change in the nature of surveillance. This could look like, oh, it's just people meeting, and isn't this so beautiful? We talk about unity so much. Isn't it so great to see all of these world leaders unite in one spot? But when those when those world leaders don't have your best interest at heart, that's not such a great thing to see them all meeting in one spot and shaking hands. <laughs> yeah, these are the people from Davos. 
they see us, I think, as subjects, not as other people. This is for your own good. Trust us. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm shaking my head, too. Like, eh, no, I don't trust you guys one bit. Not one bit. Sorry. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, here's some here's some Joe Rogan. We have to be charitable and forgiving. And this is the only way we come to unity after this. And I don't want to demonize people who demonized me. I don't want to be angry at people that called me an anti-vaxxer or... Listen, man, I had Dr. Peter Hotez on early. I had um, Michael Osterholm on early. And I had him on again. I mean, I had all these people on early. And I the Osterholm podcast freaked so many people out. I did it the very early days of the pandemic, before there was a vaccine. And Osterholm was painting a picture that was absolutely fucking terrifying. And it terrified me. And it made me want to get vaccinated. It made a lot of people like looking forward to that vaccine. And when you have this narrative in your mind, and then you see people that are somehow or another the enemy of that narrative in your mind or a problem in that they're going to cause more problems for you and for other people and for vulnerable people. It, even logically, it didn't make sense because the vaccine did stop the virus in its tracks. Why would you be angry at people that don't take it because they're just going to be vulnerable? Why would you why would you be angry? You should be sad. You should be trying to convince them like the, the only way to convince them that works is with love and understanding and to, to talk to, to communicate with them in a way that's going to reach them. If you call people an idiot and a fool or a monster or, or, or demonize them and say laugh when they die. I mean, there was this woman who's a famous food writer who uh, demonized people and she did it in a way where she was saying that the only good side was that the people that were dying were all these anti-vaxxers and that somehow or another that was good that these people that didn't trust the pharmaceutical companies the companies that have had more criminal punishments more more fines for criminal behavior than virtually any industry that's ever existed, more lying about the adverse effects and the adverse reactions that people possibly could have or were going to have about these, these drugs that they pushed, where we have internal memos where they describe, like in terms of Vioxx, they describe these potential bad side effects that are going to happen, but also say, but we will do well with these. Mm. We have those. We we have we have that evidence. Yep. So these people that got duped, I have nothing but love for them. And I think the only way we're going to get out of this is if we forgive them. And people are so hesitant to do that and they're like, fuck them, fuck this, fuck that. You can't you can't have a society with fuck them. Because right. we are them. They are thus. I could have been one of them. If I wasn't doing this fucking podcast, okay? If I was just a, a regular comedian and i that's what I did for a living and I didn't pay much attention to alternative media and podcasts that were discussing this and people like Peter, Peter McCullough or Robert Malone or all these people that were sounding the alarm, if I was one of those people that didn't have the access to these kind of conversations, I would not have a nuanced perspective. And if I had gotten vaccinated, and other people didn't i would be like fuck those people i would be just like people i know who i used to be friends with who now hate me and are angry at me and talk shit about me online and i forgive them 
because I would have been like them if I didn't have the access to the kind of conversations that I've had, if I didn't have the kind of mindset that I have, that the, my personality that is just immune to bullshit. When bullshit hits me, I'm go, oh, I know what this is. I grew up without a dad, okay? I don't I trust people. I, I, I think there's a lot of bullshit in the world. You know, I've had people try to do things to me. I've been in dangerous situations. I know people can be sketchy. There's sketchy fucking people out there in the world. And the people that haven't experienced that and don't have that, that perspective, I can understand why they formed the conclusions that they did. Because I could have been them. I 100% could have been them. The only way that we can help each other is for people like you and people like me and other people that have had these other perspectives, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, these people that have been demonized to forgive people. And if we don't do that, we, we just continue these ideological tribes that battle each other on and move the goalposts because we saw the goalposts get moved when it turned out that, well, COVID doesn't, or the, the vaccines don't stop transmission. They don't stop infection. They don't stop you from getting sick. We saw that happen, and then we saw the narrative change. We knew that. We knew that it was just going to prevent you from serious illness. Well, why were you mad at me when I didn't get seriously ill? Why were people mad at me? Like what? What? Because I didn't do what they did, and they thought they did the right thing, and I didn't do the right thing, and I'm some crazy kook who believes in the flat earth and fucking chemtrails or whatever the fuck you want to attribute to it. And that's the reason why, and I'm promoting dangerous misinformation that actually turns out to be true. That's, that's what's so crazy about all this. No, he's right about that. I mean, I forgive people that might have said anything to me or to anybody I know, because I don't got time for that stuff. I don't got time to hold on to that stuff. So, I mean, it is. we. That's the problem with what came out of this COVID, especially, was that the tribalism side of that was, no, I don't really trust what these people are saying because these guys over here are actually talking about it and making sense. And then you guys are demonizing them, too, that they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, but this guy is a doctor of, you know, cardiology, cardiologist, whatever the term is. This other guy here is the one that has patents on the mRNA vaccine, and he's and he's talking about why he doesn't think we need to mass vaccinate everybody and the the possible pitfalls and stuff of it. But now he's being discredited. But he's they're the only people that are making sense. And then, you know, let's change the definitions of certain words to fit our narrative once again, to get more and more people to get on our side. But you're going to be demonized as an, an anti-vaxxer or you're taking horse paste. I mean, which was all completely false. But these people were 100% in on the narrative. And now, once again, now the, a lot of this data is coming out of all these younger people uh, a lot of them athletes just kicking over with heart complications. I mean, it all seems to have the same issue. I, I, I would go out on a limb here. I don't know this for sure, but I would say there's probably more sports athletes that have died this last year until now of heart complications 
or heart attacks that are coincident, air quotes, than ever in the history of sports or athletics. The the people that don't get a voice over this narrative. This is the tyranny that I've, I keep preaching about and why we need a smaller government, not a bigger one, because the bigger the government gets, the bigger our problems turn out to be. Because these are the people that are causing the problems and the rest of us have got to deal with it. Especially the people that don't have money to be able to visit the doctor and stuff all the time. Oh, well, this is why we need universal health care. Yeah, we've kind of seen how that's destroyed the healthcare industry as well. Obamacare. My my health insurance that is not as good as it used to be. They don't cover nearly as much. Yeah, they might be mandated to cover your general, you know, checkups and pay a ten dollar copay or twenty dollar copay, whatever the copay crap is. It's like most things, uh, I end up paying for out of my own pocket anyways. Plus, I end up paying the insurance company. So unless it's something catastrophic that I'm in the hospital and I've got $100,000 or more medical bills, insurance is just another scam in the most... I mean, for some people, it works out great. But for most people, a general population paying for health insurance probably don't ever use it. It's just giving your money away because you're forced to. Because I would rather take all the money I pay on health insurance. And because I know my family, I know, you know, our health concerns. I would probably have a lot of money in the bank right now to just outright pay the doctors and stuff. Not even have to go through the insurance part of it. But, you know, I pay them thousands of dollars a year to just in case... Well, it's just like having car insurance. Well, yeah, car insurance makes more sense because you're out driving a car around more than you are getting sick for the most part, unless you're just super unhealthy to begin with. And that's preventable most of the time. But hey, you know, who am I to say? But we do, we need to get out of the the tribal mentality on a lot of things. I think that's left and right. The left, I think, has somewhat of a harder time because of their indoctrination. Like I say, through the school systems and all that stuff. They come out of college and they've been taught this leftist ideology. And it's been drilled into their heads. And it makes it really hard for the right to really... We're not good at words. (laughs) Explaining our positions. We're horrible at it. And I think that's where some of the problem becomes. Because we we don't educate ourselves well enough to define our, our side of the argument. There are people that do do it well. And then the people on the left want to destroy them because it... They are getting traction against people that they think are are wrong. And they're convinced that these other people's uh, thought process is wrong. 
And then they get angry and start calling you a Nazi or whatever, Hitler, whatever they can come up with that's vile. All while, saying, all while trying to preach that, oh, we just need to be forgiving and blah, blah, blah. But only if you agree with us. <laughs> and those are the people we got to realistically try and get away from their out of their bubble a little bit and just have a, a basic conversation with them and explain the thought process from the more conservative or logical even position. Um, let's see here. Uh, I thought there was more here, but I don't know. Maybe we'll just start going off on some other stuff here. Let's see what's going on. There is... Um, oh, yeah, back to the, the Bill Gates thing. So in 2013, Bill Gates invests plant-based eggs, poultry, and meat. 2021, Bill Gates becomes the largest private farmland owner in the U.S., 2021 to 2023, there's mass chicken and egg shortages hit American farms. Now, a lot of that happened just due to the fact that, well, I've explained this before. If you've got a government entity here in the U.S., I don't know how, I'm sure it happens similarly in other countries, that if they go in, they do these tests in these mass chicken farms or turkey farms, and if they find one bird within thousands of birds that test positive for avian flu, you kill all of the birds that were in there. Not just because they don't, I get it to an extent, they don't have time to go through and test every bird. But does one bird mean they're all infected? No. But you're going to slaughter all of them anyways and go dig a big hole and bury them in it. Mass grave site. Because you don't want that going out into the market. That's how they deal with that. That's, that's how government makes these shortages. Artificial shortages. So that's why you pay $9 for a dozen eggs these days. <laughs> because there's no chickens to lay the freaking eggs. Uh, and they wonder why people are, you know, come up with these conspiracy theories. Because typically what happens is they become conspiracy fact when all the information finally gets out there that, oh, this is what caused it, or this is who caused it. Oh, I don't know what to do, people. I don't. It's. I would like to be peaceful about this whole thing, but in the end, I don't know how you're going to take these people out of power because they're not going to do it willingly. I mean, even even it's barely getting to the point where elections even change anything anymore because the worst people that want these jobs are probably the worst ones for the job um let's see oh here's something from jordan peterson you are not capable of cruelty you are absolutely a victim to anyone who is part of the reason that people go watch anti-heroes and villains is because there's a part of them crying out for the incorporation of the monster within them 
which is what gives them strength of character and self-respect because it's impossible to respect yourself until you grow teeth. And if you grow teeth, then you realize that you're somewhat dangerous and or maybe somewhat seriously dangerous. And then you might be more willing to demand that you treat yourself with respect and other people do the same thing. And so that doesn't mean that being cruel is better than not being cruel. What it means is that being able to be cruel and then not being cruel is better than not being able to be cruel. Because in the first case, you're nothing but weak and naive. And in the second case, you're dangerous, but you have it under control. I like that guy. He's got a lot of good thoughts. Female hyper users of Instagram are also, they're sadistic, Machiavellian, psychopathic, and narcissistic, and they optimize for, for short-term mating strategies. So they're promiscuous, and that's a marker for antisocial behavior. Antisocial people, broadly speaking, have more sexual partners. They start engaging in sex earlier. They're more callous in their utilization of themselves and others. And so... Would you call that toxic femininity? Is there a such oh, thing as toxic absolutely. femininity? Absolutely. We know what toxic femininity is. It's, okay. it's the female version of antisocial behavior is reputation savaging. Yeah. Gossip, innuendo, backbiting. And females are very, females can be very good at that. Now, men can do that too. And they do, especially on social media. But it's definitely the case that social media enables female antisocial type behavior, clearly. And so it scales. We were talking about whether the feminine ethos scales feminine pathology scales magnificently on social media and so god only knows what the consequence of that's going to be uh being a clinical psychologist uh he's got a lot of pretty pretty good insight into a lot of stuff um if you want to just listen to a lot of stuff i don't know what he he's been trying to or people have been trying to cancel him He's in Canada. He's Canadian, but he's he's actually really pretty level-headed on what he's talking about. Um, let's see here. What else we got here? Um, Here's the problem. All of us have a conscious and a soul, so we can't. You keep waiting for this to show up. <laughs> The devil doesn't have a tail. The devil doesn't have horns. The devils are right here. And the minute you realize that, you'll take your mask off. <laughs> He's showing all the people from the World Economic Forum. Bill Gates, George Let's Soros, Klaus Schwab. Thing he wants to do? Block out the sun. Do you, do you comprehend the conversation I'm having? The only thing missing from Bill Gates is at the end of every sentence, he goes... <laughs> Maybe if he does that, you'll wake up quicker. So the next time someone goes, and, you know, I think we have to depopulate humanization. <laughs> we need mosquitoes to inject GMO <laughs> and block out the sun. <laughs> Here's some money for 
Call the authorities. I got some whack job talking about genocide at my barbecue. But he's worth billions of dollars, and that's what we look up to instead of God. So, I mean, that's the system we live in, correct? Klaus Schwab. First of all, his accent. Doesn't his accent scare you? One day you will always have nothing in your possession, and you will you will always like that. We will use all the great words in the world, and we will. The only thing he's missing is going like this. Maybe you'll wake up quicker if you just imagine that. That's Jim Brewer. Now he's a uh, kind of one of the guys a little bit on the left or right that's you know openly mocks the left and their ideology. But you know part of it is true, but then on the other side of that, it's a little extreme. And um, I mean, I don't. Uh, maybe he's just trying to do it as comedy. I don't know, but. uh <laughs> a lot of that stuff he just said though makes sense you got these people that want to control everything we're doing they want to build these uh massive cities so so what what is the place i think i've talked about this before too in somewhere in the desert might be in saudi arabia i don't remember they're building this huge i don't know what what you'd call it superstructure everything you need will be in this hundreds of miles long city essentially your parks your your living your working everything you won't need to go outside of this thing it's your own little world you have your shopping malls and you know, or your your bug diners <laughs> i don't know what what's actually going to go on in this place but they're supposedly under construction already of clearing out the land to create this massive monstrosity and I'll be curious to see how many people are actually going to live in it. Um, let's see. I'm going to take a quick pause here. And we'll come back with some more stuff from my Instagram. And we'll call it a wrap. How about that? Now, how many times have you heard separation of church and state? But it seems like the left always wants to bring religion and stuff into the into the paradigm of it. instead of just being able to say hey okay that's your belief whatever you do your thing over there we'll do our thing over here you get people like this nothing scares me more than any human being who says i'm not doing this because of my religious beliefs because when you looked in people's lives you normally say that publicly you'd throw up at what you saw you would throw up at what you saw the National Hockey League today needs to find that organization a million dollars and reevaluate how they support gay rights. Because that is insulting. Can somebody say it with me? Coercion. This was a, a journalist who had a complete meltdown. A Canadian journalist had a complete meltdown on television. And this is what I'm saying. These people are literally proving my point before the world. Because what rational person would be that upset because a person wants to observe their own freedoms to, to, to think and, and to, to have faith in God. These godless, dead body people 
are the ones who are responsible, in my opinion, in part, on destroying the world. You know, I, the, the, the gentleman, the, the, the um, hockey player, legitimately said, I respect other people's beliefs, and then I'm adhering to my religious faith. I, I don't have any problem with what other people want to do. I just have an opinion about it, and, I, and I'm happy for other people to have their own opinion. But then you get the journalists that come on TV that's on the advocate side of the LGBTQ stuff, and they didn't want to cram it down your throat. They want to bludgeon you with it. They want to tell you that you are a bigot and, and, and homophobic because you don't agree. Because you don't agree. You know, I, I feel the same way. It's like I got my beliefs. I believe a certain way that is like, I don't care that these people want to do that. I would try and convince them otherwise, but I'm not going to hate on them. But if you have that different opinion to some people, you're it's an attack on them. I don't know if they view it that way or if they've been taught to, if anybody says anything to, to deal with it this way, instead of rationally thinking about it. Like a lot of the stuff, like I say, gets pushed, especially like, like that journalist or supposed journalist from Canada. If you say anything about this special class of people that we've somehow created, then you're a bigot. You're a homophobe. You're this. You're that. But you know what? I forgive them. I th- I think they're wrong. They they might not think they're wrong, but the way they're going about it, I think is wrong. These people can still exist. They're still people. But don't try and claim these these people are are vile and it'll make you throw up because they. They have religious views of their own personal religious views. And I don't think they they even quite understand what they try and claim is going on. Like, oh, well, we, we believe in free speech, but we need to regulate this free speech that we believe is is harmful or misinformation or disinformation. Or whatever other stupid word they come up with to try and control the narrative. And that's part of the problem with our our politics. As Nick Freitas will tell us. There's an unpopular opinion. Uh, The biggest problem in politics is actually not greed and corruption, although those are big problems. No, the biggest one is otherwise nice, caring, and compassionate people have convinced themselves that government is the primary way that you solve problems. If you really want to know how you get creepy and authoritarianism, it's a bunch of people that don't mind controlling you because they think it's for your own good. Or as C.S. Lewis puts it, the people that torment us for our own good will do so without end because they do it with the approval of their own conscience. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, back to some COVID stuff here. Mr. Borlake, can I ask you, when did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. Why would you answer that question? I mean, we, we now know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission, but why did you keep it secret? You said it was 100% effective, then 90%, then 80%, then 70%. But we now know that the vaccines do not trans- stop transmission. Why did you keep that secret? This is Albert Borla nice on the street the in Davos being Why asked by a reporter. That your vaccine did not stop transmission. 
Is it time to apologise to the world, sir, to give refunds back to the countries that poured all their money into your vaccine that doesn't work, your ineffective vaccine? Are you not ashamed of what you've done in the last couple of years? Do you have any apologies to the public, sir? Are you proud of it? You've made millions on the backs of people's entire livelihoods. How does that feel to walk the streets as a millionaire on the backs of the regular person at home in Australia, in England, in Canada? What do you think about on your yacht, sir? What do you think about on your private jet? Are you worried about product liability? Are you worried about myocarditis? What about the sudden deaths? What do you have to say about young men dropping dead of heart attacks every day? Why won't you answer these basic questions? No apology, sir. Do you, do you think you should be charged criminally for, for some of the criminal behavior you've obviously been a part of? How much money have you personally made off the vaccine? How many boosters do you think it'll take for you to be happy enough with your earnings? Nothing. Who did you meet with here in secret? Will you disclose who you met with? Who did you pay commissions to? In the past, Pfizer has paid $2.3 billion in fines for deceptive marketing. Have you engaged in that same conduct again? Are you under investigation like you were before for your deceptive marketing, sir? If any other product in the world doesn't work as promised, you get a refund. Should you not refund to countries that laid out billions for your ineffective vaccine? Are you used to only sympathetic media so you don't know how to answer any questions? Shame on you, sir. Shame on you. Albert Borla. CEO of Pfizer. And just like Joe Rogan said, these companies have been fined the most out of any company ever for whatever reasons, deceptive or just not having a good product, you know, that caused actual harm to people. And like I've said before, I unfortunately think that that is kind of what this uh, mRNA stuff that they tried to rush through with virtually no testing. I mean, they've even had other people admit that under uh, scrutiny. And this guy doesn't want to answer any of those questions. He's going here to into the Davos to talk to his other elite friends about how they're going to uh, create newer vaccines. I, I, I just don't even know if these people really have a conscience <laughs> to tell you the truth i mean the rest of us are just a bunch of guinea pigs to them and uh you know we've had people essentially admit that because if you're listening you actually hear them speak the truth every now and then every now and then because they're pretty they're pretty uh precise about their words and that's why they they kind of talk in little pieces here and there like um uh thinking they're calculating 
because they don't want to tell the truth. They want you. They want to tell you what you think the truth is, <laughs> or what you're supposed to think the truth is, and that's and that's a lot of politicians. Like the ones I trust the most are the ones that can actually speak. They don't need to bumble and babble and you know. You can see that in their mind, it's just like the gears are turning. I, what what can I say or what should I not say? Or, you know, how, how can I control this narrative? It's like the ones that can actually just get to the mic and speak. You know it's just coming straight off the top of their head. That's down to their core what they really believe. But, you know. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. It, we still got a lot of time before we we even know probably even half the truth of a lot of this stuff. Um, let's see here. Oh yeah. Uh, NHS director confirms hospitals lied about the cause of death to create illusion of COVID pandemic. Well, we kind of already knew that because. Uh, well, here, I'll just read what the article says. Life Care wrote a Twitter thread which, amongst other things, gave a personal account of the changes to the system of reporting deaths implemented in the NHS. Quote, when four different diseases are grouped and now being called COVID-19, you will inevitably see COVID-19 with a huge death rate. The mainstream media was reporting on this huge increase in COVID-19 deaths due to the medical examiner system being in place. Patients being admitted and dying with very common conditions, such as old age, myocardial, myocardial infractions, end-stage kidney failure, hemorrhages, strokes, COPD, and cancer, etc., were all now being certified as COVID deaths. And that's why I was asked the question. I was like, all right, are these numbers people that actually died from COVID or just with COVID? Or not even, you know, because they've lumped all these different things into to one big category. And like I say, that's the problem with the government stepping in and saying, hey, hospitals, healthcare workers will pay you X amount of money for this, this, and this if you check the right boxes. So this exacerbated the problem of how many of these people were just dying of other things. Or, you know, there's people that actually have, were coming out saying, hey, look. My my father or my mother or my brother or whoever, they died in a car wreck. But on their death certificate, you've labeled it as COVID. Well, because COVID pays. Strange how that works, but, you know, I, and I would like to think that most most hospitals and stuff would try and be legit about this. But in the end, it's a business. They're like, hey, you know what? The government's going to throw out all this money to somebody, so we might as well get a piece of the pie. And another of the problems of why our government has got us as a nation $32 trillion in debt. That not, I don't know how many lifetimes or generations of family are going to be trying to pay that off. And I, in their minds, they don't even think it's a problem. It's like, well, we'll just vote to raise the debt ceiling. Or we'll just vote for this. Or we'll just vote for that. And everything will be just fine. Just keep electing me as your representative. 
uh, eventually, you can't keep re- robbing Peter to pay Paul because Peter is now out of money. Because that is essentially what we are doing. We are borrowing money from the Fed and from any other government that will still borrow us money. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, is there still stupid countries out there? I mean, that's the problem. A lot of them are all doing the same crap, too. And I think that's the big push for the digital dollars. Because then they can control, oh, we just need an extra zero here. Oh, look, see, you know, we're solvent, see? Oh, wait, let's just add three more zeros on there. What's what's after a trillion? You know, it's like million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, does it even really matter anymore? Uh, it's so out of control. Nobody nobody wants to do their job in Congress either. They don't want to create a budget. Um So we have Dodo Pink, Michael Phelps, Mitch McConnell, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Jamie Lee Curtis, and possibly Questlove have in common. I'll give you a Pfizer. I mean, I'll give you a hint. Looks like Pfizer's making it rain on celebrities to post Pfizer Inc. ads on Instagram. And this week it came out that Pfizer donates $1 million to the Republican Party of Kentucky to expand headquarters, apparently using some sort of loophole as long as it's being used to build something. The new Republican infrastructure built by Pfizer. But let's not pretend like it's just Mitch McConnell and Kentucky GOP. It's also Donald Trump. He got a million dollars from Pfizer to help finance his inauguration. And don't think it's just Republicans. Joe Biden also got $1 million from Pfizer and multiple other corporations for his inauguration, totaling $61.8 million in contributions for his inauguration. And for people who like Trump, that'll say, see, Joe Biden's taking more money than Trump, $61 million. Well, unfortunately, that narrative goes out the window because Trump raised over $106 million for his inauguration, part of that money being Pfizer and others, Bank of America, etc., which is around two times what Obama raised. I don't need anybody's money. It's nice. I don't need anybody's money. I'm using my own money. I'm not using the lobbyists. I'm not using donors. I don't care. I get that both sides want to fight each other and pretend like their guy's better and like he's not sold out because I like him more. But eventually Americans are going to have to face the facts or else history is just going to keep repeating itself. Thanks for watching. God bless you. Check out all my links in the bio at dreamrarelinks.com and stay blessed. Got a point there. There's not really much difference between the two parties. There's just the elites and the rest of us with the illusion of being free. <laughs> That's pretty much where we're we're up to now. Oops. Wrong button. Um, let's see. This looks like an important person. Oh, maybe it's George Soros. from the horse's mouth there, I would say. That is George Soros. Greg Abbott, where he was explaining to me what George Soros does. And it's fucking terrifying. 
that he donates money to a very progressive, very leftist, uh, whether it's a DA or whatever politician, and then funds someone who's even further left than them to go against them and just keeps moving it along. So he's playing like a global game and that he, he enjoys doing it. Joe Rogan talking about the old man himself, George Soros. But you know he's he's the the boogeyman of the conservative party or the Republican Party. But the problem is, is he funds a lot of left wing stuff, and of course they're going to protect him. He's their boss, right? I mean, he's the one that's paying their bills, essentially. So that's part of the problem with the money and all of this stuff is that. Uh, I still want to get paid. So I can't bite the hand that feeds, right? <laughs> uh, well, here's something interesting from uh, a Chinese national, I'm, I'm thinking. I don't know. Let's see. Back in 2017, they already had facial recognition cameras there. So if you jaywalked in Shenzhen, they would immediately detect that and send you a notification and they would deduct money from your what they call wechat account they, they use two main apps wechat and alipay so you can actually deduct your money directly from your account this is four years ago so this is not like some sort of conspiracy theory it's not something that's going to happen 10 years into the future this happened pre-corona in china and so this system in china that exists is extremely advanced they can detect if it's a man or a woman they can detect they can guess your age they can detect what kind of car model it is who the manufacturer is this is a sort of technology that we see in all these dystopian sort of films and whatever. And people keep putting it off and thinking that this is something that's going to happen later in my kid's lifetime or my grandkids. It's already here. And if this gets implemented anywhere, especially in a Western nation, it's not going away. Israel is already talking about the fourth shot. Then they're going to be going to herpes. And they're going to ask if you're gay. They're going to be asking if you ate three pizzas this week because it's unhealthy. If you buy certain books in certain countries, your country doesn't like you. will lose points in the social credit score system. So this is already the reality of the world in certain places, and we need to be aware of that if we don't want that or if we do. And to be perfectly honest, anybody who wants that passport, it's a misnomer. It's total control. Everything you do or don't do will be calculated to the point where if they can detect your GPS signal, if you have a phone on you, they can detect who you're hanging out with. Oh, you're hanging out with somebody that said something bad nine years ago on Weibo. Okay, like a Chinese equivalent to Facebook or something like that, right? Oh, you lose two points. It's coming. That is the definition and description of the ESG scores. And that guy's explaining exactly what's been happening in China for years now. And, you know, when you hear people like Biden or anybody else up high in the governments of the world saying, China's the model we need to model after, uh, I would be very scared that they believe it. Because like I say, I think to some extent they believe that they know best for everybody. And if we would just do what they say, everything would be fantastic. Even though half the time they don't even do parts of what they claim that everybody else has to do. They want their freedom, but they don't want anybody else to enjoy freedom. That's the problem. That is a problem and the problem. Downright biblical devastating weather continues to plague California. That damn weather. Climate change. All these big old massive sinkholes. There's a car stuck in one in the middle of these roadways. Oh, a couple cars in that one. That's a deep one. 
Oh, there's no one. They just pulled out of a big sinkhole in a highway. I think this is when they were getting a ton of rain just a few weeks ago. We were, we were catching the snow here. Yeah, massive boulders and stuff they've had to dig out of these vehicles. It just, there goes a road right here, falling off the side of the hillside. In a landslide. There it goes. Gravity always wins, folks. Eventually. <laughs> oh, there's a mudslide coming in a house. You know, and they've had certain areas that have had devastating wildfires that there's no vegetation there to hold any of the, the rain back so or absorb it or dissipate it a little bit. So when they've been getting all this rain, especially in these flood zones that are burnt off, it absorbs into the ground as much as the ground can hold. But then it's super heavy. Water weighs about roughly eight pounds per gallon. And you start adding that up in a lot of dirt that already weighs X amount when it's dry per cubic yard, I guess. And you end up with massive mud flows is what usually happens. Gravity's always pulling down on stuff, but as soon as it gets heavy enough and the friction ratio inside that upper dirt and the lower dirt, one gives out. And you're talking about massive amounts of weight of muddy, wet dirt just wiping out anything in its path. I mean, mud is way more worse than snow. Snow at least has some give to it, even though it can pile up and get heavy. Mud, you're done. You're not You're not getting out of that one. Um, Let's see here. I think we're just going to call this wraps. I mean, I, I could go on forever and ever with this stuff. So all I can say, educate ourselves. I mean, you can't believe everything that's on the internet. Yeah, I wouldn't even believe everything I say. I mean, everybody's got their own thought process. I'm just trying to put out information uh, that I think is most logical. And I enjoy dangerous freedom. But it feels like we're going towards peaceful slavery over... Because we've, we've got... Well, I understand. I understand we're all people... We all have our own individual problems. And then just to add on the stress of all this crap that's going on in the world, it's not easy. It's not easy to find a balance. <laughs> it really isn't. But I just want to encourage people to push for freedom. I don't want to see the peaceful slavery. I really don't. And I don't want to live it myself. And I'm sorry, government, if you're listening. Got my phone here next to me. They're probably listening. I'm not giving up my guns. And I'm not giving up my freedom. I may give up my life, but it'll be in defense of it. And I hope everybody else will take that to heart as well. God bless everybody. Hope you'll join me again next time on the Nielsen Show. And hopefully I'll be a little bit more... Uh, prepared with my stuff like i say i just kind of got to roll with it because you know i'm a working person uh i've got a family to take care of just as well and then i've got to fit all this other stuff somewhere in between <laughs> so when it comes out on the other end sometimes it's not co really quite uh organized the way i'd like it to be but you know when i'm doing it myself it's it's chaos basically so if you're still listening to this program after you know 
this long. Uh, I was going to do say say thank you. Hopefully, it's informative enough. It keeps you coming back, uh, despite the low budgetness it is. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Nielsen Show. Have a great week. See you next weekend. Bye.